0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth Grader of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at SKNR.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, hardware, entertainment, pop culture, and more. You can also catch us on Sci Fi Radio, PinalCentral.com, keyword Skewed, which is a network of newspapers uh, where we do our game reviews. You can catch us on Open Critic and other platforms. And, of course, BJ Shay's Geek Nation on KSWFM. We have the simulcast on our page and our quarterly magazine, skewed and Reviewed, the magazine, as well as many other outlets. Michael is away running errands because uh, he, I, and our various families are heading off to San Diego Comic-Con next week. Uh, so Justin and I are going forward, and it's been a very busy week. As we uh, expected, the writer's strike, Uh, has not uh, been the only thing to disrupt Hollywood. Now we have SAG-AFTRA going on strike, which are the actors and actresses, which is suspectedly shut down uh, production in Hollywood. So we'll be discussing that in greater detail very soon and its immediate effects. I did want to mention at the start, I do want to get some gaming stuff in, Jagged Alliance 3 has now been released, so if you're a big fan of a mix of retro and new, for those of you that are not familiar with the Jagged Alliance series, essentially you command a team of mercenaries. You have to hire them, deal with their pay raises, equip them, and in a tactical gameplay, move them through various missions as they attempt to save the day. Now, uh, one of the beautiful things about it is sometimes there are personality conflicts, like certain people won't work with others unless you pay them more money, or vice versa, you have to have, uh, you know, make sure you have a medic in your class because they will get injured. And uh, I'm proud to say that I completely wiped out my entire uh, allotment of mercenaries very quickly. So I've had to go back and try some new tactics. So it's a very fun game, uh, but you have to have some patience. So That is available. Atari has announced a new version of Lunar Lander called Lunar Lander Beyond. Um, one that I'm really curious about is this company called O.W.O. has got a physical sensation gear for Assassin's Creed. Essentially, you wear a vest, and it allows you to feel feedback from the game and stuff like that. And uh, Call of Duty did a very nice update recently where we get the Vondel Waterfront map, and it actually has some of the characters from the uh, Prime Video series, the boys, in it. So, uh, very interesting. Now, Justin, that leads us into our topic. As we mentioned, uh, SAG-AFTRA is on strike, so that means all of the actors and actresses, U.S. productions, have essentially shut down, and it has severely limited what they can do for promotional events. And the San Diego Comic-Con coming up next week, that has been a bit of an issue. Just this morning, I got uh, confirmations that uh, two... um, panels, uh, not panels, but press rooms, they are also going to be doing panels, are not going to happen. There was going to be one for the new Venture Brothers uh, film. They are not going to do the panel or the press room, but the premiere is still going to happen. And we also learned that uh, Apocalypse Army of the Doomstar has canceled their panel and press room. But uh, other things, such as the new um, Babylon 5 movie, are still going to have a premiere. In fact, they're going to have two. They moved it just from Saturday alone to doing one on Sunday as well. And so they're still going ahead with their situation. And we are also going to be getting one for Justice League Warlord. And it's interesting, Justin, because I was trying to figure out how this all worked because, um, you know, we figured directors would be there because they're – They have reached a three-year agreement, and that is the case. Uh, We figured producers would be on hand, provided that they're not writers, which, again, is the case. And it was interesting because when I looked at some of these animated films, some of the screenwriters are going to be there. And I thought, wow, how does that work? And then I found out that apparently animated films are done under an animator's union. So even though you write the script, when you're writing for an animated film, it essentially falls under animators' guild work versus writers' guild work. So that was uh, a learning process for me, for sure. But, you know, for example, J. J. Michael Straczynski, Greater Babylon 5, is going to be available to meet with the press and do the panel for his Babylon 5, The Road Home, because as he said, he was not hired under uh, the Writers Guild of America for it. He was hired under the Animation Union. Therefore, it's fine for him to go out and do publicity. And it's kind of a very interesting curve because you can, as, as I understand it now, you can appear as yourself. You can appear on various industry panels. You cannot appear to promote any current or future work or on behalf of a studio. So uh, before I get into some of the bigger... Uh, things that have come out in the last week what's your take on all of this yeah it's
1: interesting you know um it i i did not know that either about the animators guild i wonder if uh because i haven't you know neither of us have really heard about their involvement that uh i I would imagine that they have a a different uh set of conditions for you know how, how they've broken down um making money um and that you know, I this is just pure speculation, but it's one of those things where maybe if these, the the animators guild has a, an agreement that they're already working, uh, you know, working under that is you know acceptable for for that particular union, um, maybe that could be a baseline for negotiations for the the writers guild. Now, obviously, I don't know the specifics about what the animators working under and i'm i imagine that that's already been discussed behind closed doors um so that's just pure speculation on my part but that is that is definitely interesting and you know going forward this is this is going to be uh i guess more interesting going you know as time goes on just because a lot of these events as as the you know the strike goes on and on events like San Diego Comic-Con will become more complicated who's going to be involved who isn't going to be involved uh and then obviously you know as you know from the last writer strike uh significant writer strike uh as it goes on productions and TV shows and movies will will start to be affected very greatly by it um so we will see you know maybe the worst case scenario obviously there's good shows that everybody likes that will probably suffer for it. You know, just my memories of that, of that previous writer strike from the early two thousands, you know, there's all sorts of shows that didn't recover from it. So uh, I would imagine that very similar dynamics will, will play out this time unless um, you know, an agreement is, is is, uh, reached soon.
0: My thought on it was, and I was thinking about this is that I think It's not an ideal situation, but let me break it down from the San Diego Comic-Con point of view. They have to play the hand they're dealt. And in some ways, they were fortunate that the tickets were already sold, the hotel rooms were already booked, and all of this. People knew this was a possibility, um, and there you have it. I think they've done a fantastic job of still being able to fill a lot of the slots there's uh you know a sizable amount of comic book animation video game uh content obviously uh we're seeing some stuff from visual effects teams directors um composers a lot of stuff like that and while the stars are not going to be there there's still a decent number of panels taking place just look at some of the you know people are all like oh we're not going to have the big Marvel panel in uh Paul H. Well, Marvel's still got their booth on the floor, and they've already come out with various things, like they have a 30-minute window where they're bringing uh, Cosmo from Guardians of the Galaxy out. They have got like a sing-along version of The Little Mermaid. They've got all these uh, different things, and you know, you know that these companies are sitting there right now going, okay, we don't have our stars. What can we have? What's going to be our big surprise that we have? Because they've got the space already booked. Now, some are canceling, and again, that happens, but you can't imagine that there aren't possibilities in backups. Like, for example, um, we got word, things like the Wheel of Time, Jury Duty, Abbott Elementary have scrapped the panels. There was supposed to be, uh, a lot of people thought there was going to be a big Dune Part 2 thing. That's not going to happen apparently. Uh, but some things are going to go on. I mean, we're still getting the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem uh, with the directors involved. You get uh, Gareth Edwards is supposed to show off new footage from the creator. You're still getting panels for The Walking Dead. Star Trek is still going forward with their panels. What We Do in the Shadows, uh, Peacock's Twisted Metal, Solar Opposites. As of right now, I understand we're still getting the Futurama panel. Uh, We're still getting the panel for the John Wick spinoff, the Continental uh, Ballroom 20 still has the very impressive panels from, you know, like Simpsons Family Guy, American Dad, things like that. So there is content, and it's a case of, you know, tempering your expectations. I I told someone, WonderCon has a fantastic lineup. They still, but everyone will say, well, it's still not as big as Comic-Con. Correct. It's not the same size show. I would say, even with all these restrictions, they still have more to offer than pretty much every show out there. Uh, it, you know, which is pretty impressive. And like I said, while you may see some things scrapped in the next day or so, at this point, Wednesday is preview night. So as we report this, we're just a couple of days away from that. Uh, you know, I think things are going to continue to pick up. I think we are going to continue to have New things, and I think studios are going to be creative. Some of them may say, We're out, and I can see others saying, Okay, you know, we have a space book. Now it's our time to be creative. Uh, you know, like another one, uh, Gen B, they were supposed to do uh, a panel for Gen B, which is the boys' spinoff. In fact, it's even on the um, badges this year. Well, that's not going to happen, but like I said, these are people that are very good at what they do. They are going to be able to fill in uh, panels, and if certain things should not happen, there's still so much going on that people are going to be able to have options. I mean, like, I I was joking around, like, we've got our panel at 11 o'clock on Saturday on upcoming video games. Well, um, you know, here's even more. Someone joked, and they said, well, think about all those 8,000 people. That are normally in line for Hall H for the Marvel panel now they're free with somewhere to go, and you know we shall see. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, um, I'll be honest. I'm pleasantly surprised with what the confirmed interviews I had when this whole thing went down. I thought, oh boy, you know, I'm I'm probably going to get this composer thing and this visual effect thing and maybe a couple of booth meetings on the floor. That's going to be it. And I was kind of redoing my plans from bouncing between the interview area and the closest panel room to, well, I'm going to have time to go check out the floor more, go into some of the other rooms to, you know, I think I'm going to be able to have a nice mix. Now I'm, I'm not necessarily booked up, you know, interview, 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 interview that it'll be something in the morning. I have my afternoon free and then come back in the afternoon. And I still think in the end, it'll all work out. Now here's what's interesting, Justin. I, I've been very, uh, intrigued by how various companies handle things. Did you hear what Disney did the other night for the Haunted Mansion? No, I did not. Okay, so they decided similar to what they did with the Jungle Book where they had the premiere at the park, that they were going to do the premiere for the Haunted Mansion at the theater at Disney's California Adventure. And it believe it is the theater where they are currently, the Hyperion, where they're currently doing the... Um, Uh, What do you call it? Rogers the Musical, which I saw when we were there a week ago and is absolutely fantastic. So the grand plan was that they were going to have this big red carpet premiere with all the stars, things like that. Well, obviously, when the strike hit, that wasn't an option. Disney already had a backup in place. They moved it from a star premiere to a fan event, and they did things like they had cast members who uh, wore the Haunted Mansion outfits, on the red carpet, they had various Disney villains from like some of the evil queens and such appear on the carpet, and they intru- and they essentially interacted with the guests as they came in and watched the screening. So they were still able to pull off a successful screening. And uh, I thought, you know, this is kind of what we're going to have to see going forward: is people being very creative. Because uh, I don't know if you're aware, they were doing the Oppenheimer premiere in London the other day, so the cast arrived. They went out and they did their uh, red carpet photos and such like that. And then all of a sudden the word went down, we're on strike. And so they immediately got up and left the theater and did not stay for the premiere and stuff like that. And um, Nolan had to go up, which was an awkward situation for him because as the writer's side of him, that part's on strike, but the director's side of him is not. So he had to go up there and essentially... You know, carry it on. And it gets even more complicated because this is not a complete shutdown of Hollywood, per se. Hollywood is shut down, but um, productions like second season of House of the Dragons is continuing overseas because they're under the equity union. And what I have been told is that some of the actors over there are wanting to strike and support a SAG-AFTRA, but until their union says, we're on strike, they can't. So they're continuing to work over there. And you would be really interested in this. This is apparently going to affect the new Alien TV series because they're apparently getting ready to film in Thailand. What I'm hearing is they're going to be filming a lot with local people who are not members of SAG-AFTRA. They're going to be using British actors that are on the equity union and the members of the cast who've been confirmed who are SAG-AFTRA, they'll just add them in later when the um, labor situation is resolved. So what do you think about that? Yeah, again, that's
1: very interesting dynamics going on. Uh, Obviously, like you said, a lot of the production companies are going to get creative about how to proceed with their productions in various ways. Um, But again, the thing that makes me the most curious is... um, Obviously, this, there's a, a core issue that was at, at play that's driving this whole event, and which ostensibly boils down to uh, compensation for you know how um, people view shows and movies um, compared to how they used to. And those same dynamics have to affect a lot of these other unions that are, are not on strike. Um which to me it just it's curious because uh, it just makes me wonder are they under a different are they under already under a updated model, um and can that model be used as a as a baseline um for negotiation. So um that is a, a pretty interesting dynamic and you know, like you said, a lot of these companies are just gonna get creative on on how to proceed.
0: You know, it's funny because when the directors reached their agreement a few weeks back, a lot of people expected that to happen. In fact, everything I heard was that was pretty much a done deal. And some people had thought that was going to be the template to go to the other unions. But unfortunately, it's a very different situation because, um, you know, where, where do you begin? It's an extremely complicated thing. Like, for example... Did you hear the whole thing about the uh, digital actors, the background actors? That apparently was a massive sticking point in the negotiation. No, I did not. Okay, so as it stands now, there are, uh, you know, people may be surprised to know this, but there are um, union background actors or extras. A lot of people think that, like, for example, I have been around film sets in um, various places, uh, U.S. and, and Canada. Where sometimes the background actors are literally they're people who there are some that do it for a job that is their job they bounce from one movie to TV show and there's some people who do it basically um, you know they fall into it either they're they're um, a friend or someone on the set says hey we need background people do you want to make a little extra money you know coming out for the next few days that sort of thing some of them are indeed members of the union now as such. They get a daily rate, and it's usually—I uh, can tell you—the ones that I was around the price, and this this was non-union stuff. They were around it's about 125 to uh, $200 a day, and then you get food and stuff like that. And I—I've been told um, that uh, you know has changed. Like if you're union, you get paid more, that sort of thing. Well, one of the big things about this is that they need to get so many hours in to qualify. For the healthcare program that is offered through the union, as well as a pension down the line. So, you know, in theory, you could be a background actor and extra for your entire career and still end up with healthcare benefits and a pension if you do, you know, a significant number of hours. Well, apparently, What the new trick the studio has started to do is that they will scan the people who come in as background actors. And then they will continue to use a digital version of them in the background, in crowd shots, and so on and so forth, with no compensation and no credit towards screen time. And so some of the actors were saying, you know, it used to be I'd get on a movie, I could say I've got three weeks to a month worth of work easily. And you would count on that because you could do the math and say, I'm going to get this much, da, da 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 plus I'm getting the all-important time toward my pension, toward my health benefits. Now you get paid for one day, and they can use your image forever. And that was literally their pitch, is that they wanted to be able to use the scanned image forever on multiple projects with no compensation, no credit going forward. The actor essentially gets one day's pay, And then they can never be used again because, in theory, the studio could say, well, we've got what we need from you. And that wasn't going to stick. And, you know, then you have this whole thing. We had someone come out today who was a writer on she hulk And uh, apparently she came out and said her streaming check was about $340 was her residual. And, you know, some people are saying... You know, we, we had that comment the other day where Iger apparently had said, uh, the CEO of Disney, that the demands are unrealistic. And I saw this thing from an actor that came out and said, you know, he's come out with his $27 million a year salary in stock options. And let's be fair, that's one of the lower end compensation packages, the, the annual salary. I'm not referring to the stock. That's quite lucrative of of executives. And, you know, someone pointed out, they said, he says our demands are unrealistic. This is what he's making. And he's on a private jet right now flying to a millionaire-billionaire retreat with other studio executives who are also flying on a private jet. And yet he says what we need, which essentially, you know, these were writers saying, we cannot afford to pay rent and mortgages in the Los Angeles area now due to rising prices due to what they pay us, you know, we can't be living two, three hours away. And that's kind of the argument. They'll say, well, it's the digital age. You don't need to be sitting in an office in L.A. writing in Hollywood and all that or just, you know, whatever. And this is the unfortunate perception. And then I've seen in the last few days people have come out and said, you got to realize these are corporate-owned uh, entities. They said, like, if you look at Netflix – Their stock is held by banks and financial institutions and things like that. And they're pushing them, keep the cost down, keep the cost down. And, of course, that's where the whole fight for AI comes in because, oh, we can use AI to replace the actors to write scripts. And they're literally saying this is our very survival of the industry. So it's it's a very complicated and deep issue, and I, I hope that it gets settled sooner rather than later. Um I had some other things to add justin please add add your uh, thoughts and comments
1: yeah, this gets difficult um and it gets into you know this topics of discussion about economics and uh, even politics that stem out way beyond even just the entertainment industry but um you know it's it's one of those there' there's always there's situations where um most situations there's at least some element of truth on both sides of the of the debate or the argument and uh certainly i I think there's an extremely strong case that the current um arrangement that's that uh, writers are under uh does not work and it is outdated and does need to be revisited because like you said you point out a scenario where uh you know um you get basically paid once for the airing of your work and then no residual payments because it's on a different platform that seems very loophole-esque to me but um that said you know there is there are math there's sometimes these situations kind of boil down to math where the like you said the corporate entities exist and uh for them to have projects for writers to work on they have to be solvent um and a lot of these production companies are not so some of them are doing extremely well but some of them are not um and they're they're arguing from a position of well we have to basically make decisions that you know allow for the survival of our organization um and so you you come at it from that angle as well and there's a case to be made there so uh, it is very complicated, like you said. There's a lot of dynamics at play. It isn't very as as simple as one side is right, one side is wrong. Um, there is, you know, definitely a stronger, you know, in my opinion, a stronger case on one side. I think the writers do have a str- very strong case. Um, but that said, you know, there is, there has to be a negotiation between um, both sides of this issue.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, too. I was looking through some of the back area things as well, and it it seems like such ancient history at this point. But do you remember when um, Netflix was perceived by the industry as throwing money around when the other streaming platforms started to launch? They were throwing money around left, right, and center because they had to... um, create their own content because the concern was we're not going to be able to license content because other places are getting their own streaming platforms. And so they were borrowing money. They were throwing money around. And we heard all these things like, well, you know, we've got Ryan Reynolds and we got Gal Gadot and we've got the rock and we've got Chris Hemsworth and all these people signed to do exclusive movies to us. Now, one of the things that I heard was that how they handled it? Then was they would pay them beyond their quote. So let's say that their going rate, right, and I'm just throwing numbers out arbitrarily. Let's say their going rate right was say 10 million, 15 million a movie. They would say we're going to give you 25 million for this, or we're going to give you 30 million for this. And the idea was that was it. That was a one-time payment. You're not getting residuals. You're not getting anything off the back end. Nada. We're going to pay you over your rate up front. And you in turn basically agree, okay, I've been fairly compensated for all the money that's going to be raised for the rest of time through this thing. And I guess some people thought that was, you know, the way to go was that if you sign on to do a streaming project, um, there you go. Well, the problem with that is that seems to apply only toward the bigger name uh, actors and talent. The um, smaller Uh, known actors, writers, so on and so forth, they were still getting, uh, you know, what they feel the shafted because their attitude is instead of 22 to 26 episode seasons, we now have this precedent for 8 to 12 episode seasons, which means we get less money, so on and so forth, and it's crazy. Now, uh, before we move to something a a little more positive, I wanted to uh, switch up gears. New York Comic Con. A lot of people have asked me about this. That is scheduled to take place in October, on October 12th through 15th, obviously, in New York. It is a very big show. Um, I have not been. We send staff because just I'm on the other side of the country. It's a difficult time to get away and do that. And I've had people say, while they tend to have more people numbers-wise than San Diego Comic Con due to the space, you don't have the same number of reveals and the star power that San Diego traditionally has, because let's be honest, it's a lot easier for the talent to zip down from Los Angeles uh, and the surrounding area to San Diego to do this. Plus it's a timing situation. A lot of these shows go into production for their networks in, uh, late July and August. It was, uh, the big argument about, you know, why wasn't the Big Bang Theory that referenced San Diego Comic-Con a lot, why were they never able to do a Comic-Con-related show? And they addressed it saying it's very simple because we go into production a couple of weeks after the convention, and in order for us to start early, there's all kinds of union things, permission, because you have to get all the Teamsters back, and it was just a logistical nightmare. Um, I remember doing an interview with the cast of Grim And they had talked about they had just literally started filming the new season. They said that they were in Portland. Uh, They wrapped, I think they said, 2 2 30 in the morning. They hopped them on a plane, flew them down. They did their press room with us. They did their uh, panel. And then they immediately put them on a plane, flew them back to Portland, and resumed filming later that evening. Um, You know, I I also remember one for Timeless where – the actors were very tired and he came out and said, you know, I apologize we were filming uh, the finale and we just wrapped about 2:30 this morning and I got about ni- I got a 90 minute nap in my trailer and then it was time to get ready and start heading over here so you know production times do factor into it there have been people saying well we know how Comic-Con is being affected is this going to create a shift, and are we going to see more and more of the stuff that was going to happen at San Diego Comic-Con happen at New York Comic-Con? And I thought, you know, that's a really interesting situation because with a later start, would more studios be willing to head east to do this? But at the same time, that is a potential disruption. Let's say they're back filming in October. Maybe they're going to be not willing to move people across the country to do promotion and back. At the same time, you look at the math. When are they going to have the next promotions? Well, it's going to be the following year. I I personally think San Diego Comic-Con is going to come out roaring next year because can you imagine, you look how big last year was, the first time we were able to come back in person uh, because of the pandemic had a huge Response of studios and that sort of thing. A lot of big reveals. Just imagine what next year will be like if they, you know, I can't imagine the strike is going to go on over a year to say we got the actors and actresses back, we got the writers back, let's make up for lost time. Do you have a take on that, Justin?
1: No, I, I think that's true. Um, I do think as lo- like I was saying earlier, I think as long as this situation uh, goes on, it's it's going to be rough for a while um because events you know are only going to get lighter and lighter in terms of the amount of content that is going to be willing to be shown um you know a lot of these uh conventions and events really rely on uh especially stars um showing up and and doing events so uh especially as as long as the screen actors guilds on strike um probably not going to be uh you know as as many um big star power um, uh, conventions. But like we saw with the pandemic, eventually you get a backlog where a lot of these projects that were in progress that get put on hold, um, you know, they'll, they'll have to show, show them eventually. So I Mm -hmm. I do think event uh, at at some point there will be um, a big backlog. and, And obviously the event that precedes that will be very big.
0: Oh, absolutely, and you know it, it's so interesting because there's just so much stuff going on, and I, I think we're going to see some really creative things depending on how this goes on. Like for example, um, I've just been, you know, spitballing some crazy ideas. Now we didn't have E3 and all that, but we do have Pax coming up, and um, there is Gamescom coming up in in Europe. And we know games like Call of Duty have, on a regular basis, brought in stars to play. We've had, every, you know, we've had Marshawn Lynch. We had um, that great one with George Romero and Danny Trejo and various people. So they they've had numerous stars come into the games. And then I was also thinking about things like the Consumer Electronics Show, where it is not uncommon for an electronic company to hire a star either an athlete musician or actor actress to come out and be on set promoting a product and you'll probably see a lot of that i expect you're going to see a lot of signings because uh you know we know various conventions and they're like oh how is this going to affect and you know there's some misinformation out there but it's everybody understands that um They're still allowed to go and pose for photos and sign autographs. That's revenue for them. That is an option that they have that the writers do not have. So you expect the actors to take advantage of that. And, you know, it'll be very interesting uh, going forward. You know, I'm curious about um, how long this is going to last. I mean, we're going to get into Halloween and stuff like that. We have things like the parks, like Universal Studios having... A Last of Us and A Stranger Things Maze. Now, obviously, having the cast out doing promotion for that um, probably wouldn't happen. Uh, But at the same time, you know, these are all things that people are going to be questioning. They're going to be wondering. And let's remember Marvel Studios. They have been willing to do their own things before. They've had, like, little essentially pop-up events where they say, hey, we're going to do a presentation, we, you know, we have live streams and that. I think what's going to happen, then I, I'm just taking a guess. I, I don't think it will necessarily be um, settled in the short term because I heard a number the other day that the strike uh, is going to cost Hollywood about $30 million a day. And unfortunately, what people are saying is that what we don't see in this is that The folks, such as the union people who do the lighting, who do the sound, who do the catering, who do the costumes, who do the hair, who do the makeup, they're going to be, and drivers, just all the huge trickle-down effect, they're going to be the ones that are caught in the middle of this because they're not really going to have um, work. Now, that's where it's going to be tricky. I've had people say, right now you're probably in a stage, you've heard stories about Apparently, some studio execs have essentially implied that the writers, they're not even going to talk to them until October, is that they want to get them in a severe financial state to the point where they're losing their houses, they're losing the apartments, to get them to talk. And then the you know representatives came out and said, no, 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 we're not, you know, thats that's, I don't know where this came from, but that's not our strategy, so on and so forth, you know. Call it what you will. I I think it's safe to say that there are those who do agree with that strategy. Everything I've heard is it's really going to hit ahead in October because that's when the new shows are supposed to come out. And when they're not being written, when they're not being produced, that's when the crunch is going to be felt because that's when the advertising revenue is not going to be paid. And it's interesting because we've already got reports, as we predicted, Disney's being very clever. They're taking some of their content from Disney Plus, like Miss Marvel, and they're going to be putting episodes on uh, over the air. Like, for example, ABC is going to air the entire first season of Miss Marvel across two Saturdays in August. They're going to do three episodes on Saturday, August 5th, and then the next three episodes the following week. So we've heard stories like the Obi Wan Kenobi, maybe some of the Mandalorian Book of Boba Fett, stuff like that, that has been on the streaming service for a while. Um, So, you know, it'll it'll be interesting, but ah, crazy times. So let's wrap it up with something positive. Uh, This week, we got word that uh, all the appeals have been uh, dealt with and that Microsoft is getting the approval to move forward with their purchase of Activision Blizzard. And one of the biggest uh, points of contention was the future of call of duty and we got word this morning that xbox and playstation have signed a binding agreement that will ensure that call of duty remains on the playstation platforms going forward justin what do you make of this
1: yeah um very interesting uh stuff like this does make me a little just a little nervous because activision blizzard is already a giant giant company and uh um so is Microsoft. So obviously, Microsoft is buying them. Um, but uh, at the same time, I the one thing that does make me a little optimistic about this move is that uh, the last several years have kind of been, I I would just say a little rough for Activision Blizzard um, through a number of controversies and and um, and things like that. So um, maybe. When they're under Microsoft, uh, it'll be a new a new start for them. Um, that said, you know, uh, it's it's kind of it kind of goes with the expectation because of how large Call of Duty is that uh, Sony would try to challenge at least a little bit of this because those are some very very large, uh, properties that Microsoft is about to get. That is, uh, important just, not, not just for obviously Xbox or PC, but Sony as well. So, uh, it is an interesting, uh, move. Uh, I, I was kind of leaning more expecting that this deal to fall through, honestly, but, uh, but it looks like it has gone through and, um, and I guess there's going to be pretty, uh, interesting dynamics going forward.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like anything else, um, maybe this will open the door in the future for some kind of uh, collaboration. You know, I I was kind of looking at it going, I understand the idea behind exclusives because you want to drive people to your platform. And the argument has been that doesn't apply as much to Microsoft because they generally have a PC slash Xbox platform. So essentially... You could say, well, I don't play games on Xbox, I'm not doing this. You can still enjoy the games on PC. And by contrast, Sony has dipped their toes into releasing some of their exclusives on PC. They've had success with this. But everybody is uh, will point out you're talking generally a year after it debuts on the console before you see it on PC. And my thought was perhaps this will clear the way for a discussion where they could say, you know, am just going to spitball a couple of titles here. Okay, Xbox, you want God of War, you want The Last of Us? You can get them a year or a year and a half after they debut on the console. Uh, you know, the argument is that, well, look, if we're making them available for the PC, you're already getting them on the platform. Flip side of that, you could say, okay, Microsoft or Sony, you want Starfield, you want Halo, you want, uh, you know, Redfall, or actually Redfall is a bad example, but you know, you want things like of this nature. You're going to get them, but a year, year and a half afterwards. And essentially, you could say, you know, you want Starfield, we're going to make Starfield available to you, but under these terms, and in return, you're going to have to agree to give something like that. You know, remember, there was a lot of battle about crossplay, and they finally came to an agreement to get Call of Duty on cross-play. I personally can tell you I think it was an absolute game-changer because being able to play with my son, I play on PC, he plays on Xbox, being able to have that option has been absolutely fantastic, being able to have PlayStation people jump in with us. No, I don't see, nobody's ever complained about, oh, I'm at a disadvantage because I'm on this versus that. There was a big concern that PC players would have a huge advantage. Not been the case. So, you know, kudos to them for doing that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully better things ahead. Folks, that is going to do it for us this week. And like I said, uh, next week we will be back with uh, our wrap-up from San Diego Comic-Con. I know uh, Michael is uh, going to be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, We have some other people going to be there. We have our panel. We have a lot of stuff. We'll see what the next few days hold in terms of news, in terms of additions, cancellations. But we will have a full report when we get back. So until that time, everybody, take care, be safe, and have a wonderful week ahead.